What's up, Charleston? This is the Healthy Charleston Podcast, hosted by yours truly, Eve Gigi, where we talk all things health-related. We're going to talk about all sorts of health information, as well as, hopefully, clear up all sorts of terrible health misinformation. What's up, everybody? This is Eve from the Healthy Charleston Podcast. Today, we were lucky enough to have Cal Bauer from Bauer Built. He's also the manager at Pale Horse CrossFit. He is an amazing athlete. He's an amazing coach. He's got a really, really cool story. He's also doing uh, some really cool stuff for Citadel Cadets over at Pale Horse. Without further ado, here's Cal Bauer with Bauer Built. Okay. Got it. We're live. My computer's <laughs> been messing up today, so I'm not sure if I hit the hit the go button or not. All right, Cal Bauer with uh, Pale Horse here, and we're gonna dig into a story. Um, got a lot of fun things to talk about. We were just talking all things, uh, kind of CrossFit community, how really it's come into its own um, over the past two or three years, and just a lot, a lot of exciting things happening. Um, a lot of cool things to look forward to, but. Cal, what's up, man? How are you? I'm great, man. It's good to be here. Yeah. Be on. Yeah, no, it's exciting to have you. You got to see the new space here at Made to Move, which is, uh, oh, it's you know. Amazing space. You guys got a really great thing going on here. Yeah, I appreciate it. Drinking some cold brew. Cold brew's good, oh, right? Yeah, big cold brew guy. Very good. <laughs> if you want some nitro cold brew, it's on tap. Anybody wants some, come, <laughs> come check it out. So we've uh, known each other for a little while, chatted a little bit. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know a ton about your story, but... Um, I'd love to kind of just take it back, like, as far as, like, athletic endeavors or how you got into fitness or how you got into exercise or, you know, usually it's sports, but I'm not sure if that's the case. Like, Mm -hmm. what kind of got you in this world where now you're, you know, kind of coaching um, full-time now? Yeah. So, um, so I grew up in Michigan, just outside of Ann Arbor. Um, Real small, small town, football kind of town. So, you know, growing up, it was always the goal to play football in high school, you know, and all that. And so... That was the mecca, right? If anybody. Oh yeah, yeah. Jerry Niehaus Field. That was that was like the the pinnacle of the, the city. You know what field? Jerry Niehaus. Jerry Niehaus. Mm-hmm. Got it. <laughs> so, yeah, that was like always. You know what I wanted to do was play football and like through high school. Um, I played you know all through high school, but I had a lot of issues with concussions. Um, so. What position did you play? Linebacker. Okay. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. So. You know, the goal was always to play in college, so it was very serious. You know, I, I did went to a lot of like performance training facilities just outside of Detroit, and like I was, you know, very serious about wanting to play in college. And I little had a little bit of interest before I uh, got into my senior year, and I was actually planning on going to play at a D two school in in Michigan. Um, and then the third game of the season, got another concussion. This was like the the fifth or sixth documented one that I had. So. You know, went to U of M and got, you know, went with the concussion specialist there. And he was like, you know, this, this might be the time to hang it up. You know, start thinking about some other things to do, um, which was super hard. That was everything that I, you know, my entire life growing up, that was what I was planning on doing. I was playing football, going to college, and then I'll figure it out. Then right. I'll figure it out from there. So, right. you know, kind of having that timeline bumped up um, really changed things for me, changed my perspective. How did you get those concussions kind of going for, like, was that just something pure contact, like the help, like... Not to divulge too much. I'm just kind of like curious. It's like a lot of concussions very so like, quickly. Why was I getting them more often? Yeah, those are just you know. Um, so you know, some people 
just kind of the speed you're yeah. playing at. Some you know, some people lead with their head a little bit more. Some people mm-hmm. just put in bad situations. Um, but they're finding out more and more now about how much neck strength has to do with it. Um, okay. So, you know, it could have been that I had a relatively weak neck as opposed to, you know, for the Compared speed that I was... like just... For the speed that I was playing at. Right. tiny neck. That's right. the picture. Right. Okay, sure, sure. Um, so, you know, that's that's one thing that it could have been. Okay. Um, but yeah, that was that was one of the hardest things was getting getting that idea out of my head. Yeah. Um, and what about the training facilities? Like what, like so you would have kind of regular season, you know, strength conditioning there, and probably did some stuff on your own. But you would kind of go to these like camps. Is that's what I picture? Yeah, where, camps. Like, they come and in, like speed, strength, whatever, and do that stuff with you, kind of on the side. What kind of Olympic development or professional development kind of stuff? Kind of. So okay. it all kind of stems um, my brother, who's seven years older than me. He, so he was in college when I was in middle school, and so he would do internships with, and he's he's now the uh, head strength coach at University of Houston for football. Now. Really? Okay, that's um, cool. So you know when he was in college, he'd do all these internships, and one of them that he had was at this place called Total Performance in Wixom with a guy named Jim Kilbasso. Um, big like in the private strength conditioning field, he's like one of the top guys. Great, great dude. Um, so I would go there from seventh and eighth grade in the winters, like three times a week, drive an hour up to Wixom, and they had these huge, this is the biggest thing I remember, they had these huge treadmills that would get up to a 40 degree incline and would go up to 30 miles an hour. And you could get on there for like 20, 30 minutes, you know, going on- 30 miles an hour? Yeah. Who can run 30 miles an hour? No one, no. <laughs> okay, just checking. Yeah. The fa- like, I, I thought the fastest man is like, 20 or something, right? I think it's, like, yeah, 28 and a half or 29. Yeah. yeah, the fastest one person, the fastest speed they had there was 27 and a half. Wow. So, um, but yeah, so they, they've trained like a couple of lions and um, some uh, the tigers were there. So a lot of uh, professional guys were there. So, you know, I'd work out there in the winters and then, you know, everything was moving. And I'd, I'd wrestle and stuff and I played, um, I did track in the, in the spring and did wrestling all the other times. So, that was always multiple a big thing sports for me. people, just not just one. multiple sports. Just Absolutely, saying, yeah, multiple we always sports. Always got to throw that stuff in there. Specializations for amateurs. Yes, oh, well, that's <laughs> well said. I like that. I think I got a shirt that says that. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, that's kind of how I would always, you know, that's how I kind of started seeing the field, and I never had any, like, there was never any intention of like absorbing that environment because I was, you know, I never thought that I would be in that role. I always thought I'd be in the athlete role. Mm-hmm. Um. So when later on, when I started to make this transition, you know, all that stuff started to come back and I started to pull things out of, you know, the stuff that I saw those guys doing that were training me and, you know, it just, it felt so right later on. Um, So that's kind of where all that started was with my brother and him training me and then the other guys training me at that facility. Um, Your brother always kind of wanted to do strength coach like even as an athlete he knew okay this is what I'm going to be doing yeah okay yeah cool yeah so he went to Hillsdale College in Michigan and then uh yeah as soon as he was done his senior year he ended up he got right into coaching right away always knew um so yeah once I got done with so couldn't do football and when I went to college so I was really going to go to that D2 college in Michigan and then decided to go to U of M because I got in there. So I decided to use the brain instead of throw it around a little bit. Yeah. And always had the intention of um, going into orthopedic surgery. So, because I'd had like, I'd broken both my fibulas and I have, I still have a plate in my left one. 
and a Kevlar wire. You're one of them that, like, I'm, I have a lot of injuries, and I think you've got me beat. Yeah. <laughs> I got one in my finger right here. Yeah. So I had been around that a lot, and I was like, that's a really cool field. Like, I kind of aimed towards that for now. So I did all the pre-med stuff, um, and, you know, went through all I went into the school of kinesiology, so I was still doing the kind of the human movement side of things. Mm-hmm. So, because that was super interesting to me, so I was still looking at that. But then doing all the pre med stuff along with that. And uh, when I was in my some of my kinesiology courses, they opened up this track for what's called intraoperative neuromonitoring. And at Michigan, so it was the first program that had ever been created in a university before. And so they would look at going to surgery, so different um, like spinal fusions, different vascular surgeries, anything that puts the nervous system at risk. And you can monitor the sensory motor, um, EEG, all those systems to make sure that everything's functioning properly during the surgery. So making sure that you know they're not compressing. So if they're in a surgery and they're putting in screws of the L4, making sure that they're not breaching that pedicle at all and touching yeah. it, hitting that. Yeah, I mean, they're looking at heart rate, looking at you know uh, breathing, but how do you monitor, like you could just wake up and, okay, this is not a real thing, but like yeah. wake up and be paralyzed, you really wouldn't know exactly. because the person's not moving, they're completely out, right? right? So this is a way to monitor, you know, even just small injuries that that's not happening. Okay, right. that's really cool. Yeah, I didn't know so, that. Um, and it was super interesting. I was like, you know what, at the very least, it's gonna be a great resume pattern. And uh, so started doing that, did that for two years at Michigan for junior and senior year. And, you know, once I started my clinicals for that, so, you know, going in on call, working, you know, two or three days a week in addition to, you You'd know, be the, the one doing work. the monitoring? So I'd be working with someone. So okay. it wasn't just me. Um, do, you but have like, to be like an, do you have to be an MD or something to be one of the people monitoring? Or so you just... have to be certified. Okay. There's, there's a certific, separate certification for it. Okay. They're starting to add in more more and more. Um, you have to have an advanced degree in certain yeah. areas, which is great. Same thing physical therapy did. We used to just have, I mean, this is within like some people's lifetime where mm-hmm. we just had certificates. Yeah. Physical yeah. therapist did. And then you kind of had an associates and then a bachelor's and a master's and a doctorate and bam, here we are now. Yeah. You know, where everybody has a doctorate degree. So. And I remember we went, I went to a conference one time and they actually pointed out that we're modeling how PT yeah. became what it is today. Right. Pharmacy is like that too. Mm-hmm. Like they didn't always have doctorates. So it's like, yeah, it's interesting. Okay, yeah. cool. Um, so doing that, um, it got me in the OR and I started seeing how all these, you know, you got these residents that are, you know, mid to late thirties, don't have a kid, don't have a wife, some of them don't have a life outside of it. And I was like, you know, am I willing to give up the next, you know, 12 to 14 years of my life to go towards this? Like, yeah, it'd be great once I'm on the other side, but possibly, po- yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, the yeah. way things are going. But, right. Um, so I, from there I was like, you know, that's not what I want to do. So I got everything done up until the MCAT and saw these guys doing this and I was like, that's not for me. Yeah, interesting. So um, I was like, you know what, this is a good field to be in. It's still in the medical side of things. I can go to different parts of the country and kind of experience different things. And But it's not the end goal for me. I knew that going into it. I was like, you know what, this is exactly what, a, you know, what I'm going to do now. But in five years, I know that I'm not going to be doing it anymore. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right, once I started it, I moved out to Boston, Massachusetts, and started working for a company out there. And um, it was like, all right, you really need to crank down and figure out what you want to do and go from there. Um, so then at that point, I was in Boston and I was kind of, you know, working a lot, driving on Cape Cod every other day. So a lot of driving. And um, in the summers, 
when so rewind back when I was in college in the summers when I'd be in Chelsea again back in my hometown. Um, I'd always work out with my dad and a couple other of my buddies from high school mm-hmm. and our old strength conditioning coach from Chelsea High School, Adam Taylor. And so we'd always work out and we ended up kind of morphing into like this pseudo CrossFit type thing where, you know, we'd do like 30, 20, 10 of bench press, back squat and strict pull-ups, you know, so kind of... Some version of a mech con, exactly. right? Like, as we know it. We didn't be. know what it was. Yeah. Like, we'd always heard of CrossFit. High intensity, we like, you know, interval training, whatever you want to call exactly. it. Exactly. So, yep. Exactly. So, you know, we'd already always kind of done that and I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. And um, so when I was in Boston, I worked out at this gym that was a rock climbing gym, but it had, so it was like 40 foot ceilings, huge rock climbing walls. But then in the back, they had a rogue outfitted space that was like, it was probably only like 30 by 40 feet, but it had a whole rig and bumper plates. And so um, I'd go and work out back there. And so we were there for probably four to six months. And one day I was in there and I saw a guy decked out in all CrossFit games gear, like head to toe games. And so I asked him, I was like, are you at the games this year? And he was like, yeah, I actually work for Reebok. Um, I'm a media guy. So he would you know, take video and pictures mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And I was like, man, that's awesome. He's like, yeah, you know what? The Open's coming up next week. So it was in February. He's like, the Open's coming up next week. You should come over to headquarters and do the Open workout with us. I was like, yeah, absolutely. He gave me his card. I always remember his name. His name was Sam Brick. Super easy to remember. Yeah. Um, That's like a CrossFitter name right there. Oh, Sam yeah. Brick. He's probably huge. <laughs> <laughs> and so I didn't realize it, but I had been living like a mile from Reebok headquarters. Okay. So where Austin Maliolo and had been running Reebok One was a mile away from me. Okay. And so I went in there for the the first workout that I did was 16.1, the overhead lunging and the chest of bar pull-ups. Oh, and yeah, that I remember one. that one. Yep, yep. Um, so I did that and I like that workout I'm good at lunges well I like it a lot more now yeah. it was bad back then for me yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you know, once I saw that and I did the workout with probably 20 different people in one heat they have a huge gym but there were like 60 to 80 people there doing this and just seeing the excitement there I was like I gotta do this a little more like I gotta yeah let's see what this is about right I gotta yeah. take a couple more bites of this so started going to Austin's gym in Needham, Massachusetts at CrossFit One Nation. And I mean, from there, it's the typical CrossFit story. Got the bug, wanted to start coaching, met with Austin. He got me in for an L1, like I was three months in at this point. Mm-hmm. Started shadowing them, started coaching some classes. And uh, from there, it was like, hit the ground running from there. Like I was all in. So um, it was at that point that my wife, Amber, got into school down here at MUSC. And so she moved down here while I was up there for three more months. And so like that kind of, I was able to use that time to kind of really like dig my teeth into, you know, the coaching aspect of things while still doing the neuromonitoring. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, once things worked out with my regular job to come down here, um, then I was able to make that move. And so that's how I got to Charleston. (laughs) Yeah, that's a Um, lot. Like the pack. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you're in Charleston. And you're doing the neuromonitoring and then you're doing a little bit of coaching kind of on the side. Yep. Right? And yep. then so, you know, what what drove you, because you, I guess you didn't really have a plan to coach, you know? Like, yeah. It wasn't I, necessarily like, it could have been a thousand things, it could have been a PT, it could have been, right, could have gone and done, you know, anything else, mm-hmm. right? So what, what drove you to just say, all right, I have to 
coach other humans and <laughs> help them move better and become more fit? Like, what was that driving factor? Um, seeing kind of a change that it had in people's lives. Yeah. You know, um, I remember like when I started up in Massachusetts and I was still coaching up there, um, you know, just kind of like seeing, you know, people coming in and having a bad day or, you know, even when someone's coming in for the first time and kind of seeing a, those micro changes. So like their mood going into the workout versus after, and just that excitement and relief and that camaraderie that people have. And then the macro changes So someone coming in with, you know, might be overweight or have, you know, diabetes or something and, and seeing those changes after, um, we have a kid right now who had a fatty liver disease and he was with us for like two or three months and he went back and all of his levels were back to normal. So, you know, just seeing those, those bigger changes, like I can, I can make those changes that I wanted to with, as an orthopedic surgeon, like I can do that in this setting. So I can take those old, you know, the lessons that I learned back in that training facility or with my coach at Chelsea or mm -hmm. stuff like that. And I can use that to do these, you know, macro yeah. things for people. That's a really good way to put it. It's like, you know, obviously on this podcast, I'm very, very biased to mm -hmm. like, you know, non-pharmaceutical care or non-surgical care. But like, there's always like, there's a, I would think, I would assume that there's a perfect tool at the perfect time, you know, for the right person. Right. Right. And so mm -hmm. like, obviously an orthopedic surgery or um, something like that would be like the perfect tool for the, you know, I had a, a kneecap dislocation that happened three times and I needed a kind of a surgical, they call it a lateral release. And I really haven't dislocated since. And I'm like very thankful for that. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, there's other things that I could have done. And so that was a tool to kind of help me get to where my goal was, which is go back to playing soccer and just be able to squat, lift, run, and those right. kinds of things. You know, and just like you said, like, okay, as, as an orthopedic surgeon, that's my tool. But there's this other tool too, right? Which is mm -hmm. like progressive load or just high intensity training or, CrossFit or however you want to say it and like you can create those same changes right. with this tool orthopedic surgery or with this tool it's mm -hmm. like you kind of have to you know again my bias well, it's, uh, I well admitted that I would much rather have not have myself cut open and be yeah. able to do that and so I would say explore that until you literally can't explore it anymore exactly. and then do the other tool but there's some people who you know get really really good outcomes the other way too mm -hmm. which is like I just like that idea it's like alright tools in a tool belt like this is my tool that I prefer to use and like, you know, and I still think that's, that's really the point of the podcast is just to show people that that, you know, this kind of conservative care and strength conditioning performance model is just, it's a very viable model and it just needs to be, you know, you don't see any uh, commercials mm -hmm. on TV saying, hey, like get up and start, you know what I mean? Yeah. Run yourself through workouts. You know, as opposed to, you know, there's obviously a lot of, like, hospital commercials or yeah. pharmaceutical commercials. Too. Yeah. But I guess they're, I don't know, not really, <laughs> right? Maybe a Peloton commercial. Yeah. You know, but... Besides that, like, you don't see, yeah, you don't see CrossFit commercials yeah. or, you know... Right, and that's even, how to, how else do you get, spread the word? That's the thing. It's like word of mouth and, like, mm -hmm. all those other things. So it's like, you know, gotta, you know, find a way to spread that message. Right. So, yeah. Well, it's, it's, uh, what about, like, the Olympic lifting piece? Because you're obviously very, very... I mean, if you would say you're specialized, that would be like, you didn't really pick like CrossFit football or didn't really, you know what yeah. I mean? It's like, yeah. what got you into, I'm a huge Olympic lifting nerd, <laughs> but like what got you into that so much as opposed to, you know, because that's really, when you do a lot of the one-on-one -on -one coaching, that's what you focus on, right? Yeah, so, I mean, for the most part, yeah. that's what um, people work with me on. Um, I do have a lot of people that do the gymnastics stuff too. I got the gymnastics certification, which is fun, okay. but 
Um, I think it's I think that kind of stems from just like that my background was always barbell stuff. Like I always, okay. you know, training for football is all back squat, you know, explosive stuff, cleans, so things yeah. like that. So when I started doing CrossFit, that was the stuff I was really good at. You're good, okay. And so I'm like, even yeah. snatching, right? Like you're a big dude. Like well, once I you know, got these shoulders to figure it out, then, yeah. then it was okay. No, a lot of people <laughs> don't figure it out, so that's good. Yeah. Um, so I think it was more that you know that you want to practice what you're good at, you know, so that mm-hmm. that feels good. So I started. You know, researching and doing more and more with that and um, started to really get educated on that so that's kind of how I started to specialize more in that okay um, recently I've been trying I did the gymnastic certification this past um, when was that December November anyways so that was um, kind of my attempt to you know let's try something that I'm not good at yeah or, or, you know maybe I'm decent at it but let's do something that I'm, I don't have a background in or that I really need to work on so sure. Um, you didn't grow up uh, doing backflips and handstands exactly. and yeah. Exactly. I don't really have the body like for that. it. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Look at you be like, I don't see a gymnast. Right. <laughs> I see a linebacker. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of how I moved into the, the Olympic side of things was just that I was I was good at it at the start and you just get hungry for getting better and better at it. So um, being able to help a lot of people out with that that are kind of in the same boat where they enjoy it and they want to get better at it. So. Yeah, um, I love uh, attacking my weaknesses because, admittedly, like, I was pretty decent at like kind of uh, um, I enjoyed like long distance running. Mm-hmm. We we'll call it long distance being from like eight, ten, twelve when I ran a marathon and things like that. Like, I'm pretty decent at that. Like, I'm not that good at CrossFit. Like, it's just like I have to work really, really hard to be kind of mediocre at CrossFit, which You're is pretty good. Which, which is fine, yeah. right? So being modest, um, but it's just you know I think. So many reasons, but like I think just being able to do things that you kind of suck at sometimes is just really, really important. I mean, we'll just make it in life, but like for sure, as far as overall health and physical fitness, like of course you need to do things you enjoy and you gotta have fun. But like mm-hmm. once you get past that and you're in a normal routine, you kind of it's really fun to kind of go down that path. Be like, oh, yeah. all right, I really want to get a you know I really want to be able to walk on my hands, or I really want to be able to run a five minute mile. I really want to be able to. You know, it's fun to go through some of those right. progressions and like, okay, I really suck at, I really suck at running. I really suck at, a lot of people do suck at barbell movements. Like, yeah. It's a very, very difficult thing. Oh, yeah. That's, That's why I enjoy it so much because it's like, you know, you can see professionally what people do when they do a clean and jerk and a snatch. It's like, mm-hmm. I think I look like that and I'll take a video <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, it's not even close. Oh, yeah. You know, so yeah, I think it's just, um, we should all probably spend a little bit of time attacking our weaknesses. Yeah. I love Fraser's quote about that, where his goal is to not have a wheelhouse. You know, everyone calls him the barbell guy, but you know he always his his wheelhouse is to not have a wheelhouse. Yeah, you know, right. The they do such a good job with those movies, but like I forgot which movie it was, and like he did terrible like in the sprint workout, mm-hmm. and then like you know he's already winning basically, and then like they had the the sprint workout again, and he just like put in this like third gear nobody knew he had, and just right. like. I don't know if he won that event or if he got like second. He did win that event, didn't I he? I think he did. Yeah, yeah. he came back just, and crushed it. It's just so cool to see, right? right. Like you know, because um, you kind of read. Uh, I haven't done a ton of research on this, but like, however fast you are, like, it's really difficult to get much faster. It's mm-hmm. like you know what I mean. Like, speed is typically speed. It's very difficult to teach speed. Right. 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 And so, but <laughs> it's you hard. saw it right there. Like mm-hmm. something happened. He definitely was significantly yeah. faster. <laughs> exactly. Just tried harder. You know? Yeah, it's hard because then you get into like muscle 
fiber types and you know trying yeah. to change those and in crossfit it's hard to do that yeah but if you work at it enough it's you're gonna adapt so yeah. um yeah and that kind of brings it back to that specializations for amateurs it's like you know you can't you gotta work at everything yeah no we uh yeah a jack of all trades so to speak exactly yeah all right so now you're doing obviously you're not doing the Right. I forgot what you called it. It's way too complicated. <laughs> Ocular something. In, intraoperative neuromonitor. <laughs> yeah, I'm never gonna remember that. I had no. to say it. I had to say it ten times to remember it. Yeah. The first intraoperative neuromonitoring. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, that'll be the one and only time. That right. <laughs> yeah. So it looks like you've made the kind of transition threshold. We're like, all right, you've kind of found your calling. I mean, I love what you said. Like, hey, I wanna. It's seeing the micro and macro changes, which is you know another thing we could spend three hours talking about. <laughs> um, but. Yeah, so you're kind of doing that full-time now? Yep. Okay. Yep. So I was able to make that. So last August when I started um, managing the gym, I was able to bump down to a part-time position with my previous uh, company. So I went, you know, I'd block out Tuesdays. That's going to be my monitoring day. And I would go into MLC and do case or whatever. And then Monday, Wednesday through Friday would be all, you know, working at the gym, working on the business, that type of stuff. And so I, I did that for from August until January, and then January I was able to make the move over to full time. Were you certified at this stuff. point? Were you doing those thing, cases on your own, or are you still just with somebody else? It was usually multiple. Oh yeah, I was cases. I was certified. So oh, okay. after I moved out to Boston, I was certified. Okay. Took, took the exam and all that stuff. For your so. neural monitoring, I'm just gonna short that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're like the not to sorry, I go on tangents all yeah, the time. Yeah, you're fine. Have to forgive me, but like, I don't know if you can even divulge this. Like, it's pretty rare that anything neurological would happen. Like, it's pretty standard that like. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it must have been a shot, like if ever probably happened during your, you know what I mean? Where things like that happen. I don't know. Like I said. Well, yeah, the, the incident rate, so that the outcome, having a negative outcome is really low, but the, ha- the having something, a change, you know, it's so a change in the data is what we'd call. So having mm-hmm. a change being that we see a EMG firing when they're putting screws up in the you know, C5 or something. So that was one of the biggest things that we look for is a C5 palsy, right? So they're putting in anterior cervical, they're putting in the cage up here and, you know, compress that C5 um, a little bit. Just, we're going to describe it a little bit. Like they go in through the front, yep, like where your here. trachea is in the front of your neck mm-hmm. to get to your cervical spine, which are the bones, which is like when you touch your bones at the back of your neck, that's where they're going to. And they're putting screws in there in order to stabilize your joint or to create space if you have a disc that's yep. ruptured, right? Yeah, okay. exactly. Cool. Or we see, you know, a, we have, so one of the things that we did is we'd stimulate at the brain on the skull and look for the motor response that mm-hmm. travels down anterior tracts. And so, so yeah, you, you know, would, again, you would just yeah. put like, you know, frontal cortex, right? Something like that, if I remember uh, correctly. Temporal function? The medial. Medial. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Lateral, lateral. And then you could hit something and then their, their arm would literally move like you could stimulate the brain and their arm would move or their mm-hmm. leg would move it'd be a very small response yeah. but it'd be enough to, that the needles could pick up the electrical electrical activity that's awesome so there'd be times where we'd lose you know the muscle activity of a shoulder or something and they'd come out and they'd redo it and put it back in and we have it back so you know there's probably you know it's still really low probably like three to five percent that I would see a change in that like that mm-hmm. but you know the fact that we're able to see it and then have them adjust it and then come back and have it be good, you know, that, that could have been a negative outcome if we hadn't said okay. anything. So that's cool. You know, so the incident, the negative outcomes, the rates like 5% of what it used to be before they started yeah. doing this stuff. And you're in on the surgeries. You're watching mm-hmm. these things go down. Yeah. 
it was fun. It was honestly a great, like, I enjoyed it, and I kind of miss it a little bit, but, you know, it was... Yeah, I mean, you're there in the ground floor, you're seeing some, yeah. like, modern medicine that's amazing. I went, in PT school, I was able to see a total knee, a total hip, I saw a biceps repair. Ooh. Um, I think that's it. But, like, up really... Up through. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. This guy was jacked, like, he was, you know what I mean? The surgeon was, like... <laughs> basically, it was, like, you should never do bicep curls. Like, this guy injured himself because he was you know, just lifting too much. And I was like, you know, we didn't really, I didn't really get into it. He's in the surgical table. You know yeah, what I mean? Like yeah. there's anything else. Like, yeah, if training load it, um, exceeds your body's ability to adapt, yes. Mm-hmm. But like, should we probably get right again, right close to that line? Yeah. Probably push it a little bit? <laughs> yes, absolutely. You know, I think he was doing something right, but you know, probably trained too hard. But yeah, it was really cool to see that attachment. And then I was able to see uh, a total hip um, at MUSC and then that same person mm-hmm. I walked them the next day really yes and so like we're I, I don't know if this is me like making up a memory but it's a funny story so pretend <laughs> like it's real but I'm like I'm walking this person and I just wanted to whisper in their ear I don't think I did like, no way I did I was like how are you walking right now <laughs> you know what I mean because yeah. you had just seen you know oh, what I mean amazing. like the titanium rod be hammered into their femur mm-hmm. and like literally just shaving off a piece of their bone and reattaching this kind of clamp and I mean, it was phenomenal. It was really cool. As much as I want to be like, you know, modern medicine, you know, some of our tagline has failed us. Like that stuff is amazing. That person had now has an amazing quality of life that probably would not have had or walking, mm-hmm. running, you know, whatever they need to do without any problems. It was so, the fact that they could get up the next day was mind boggling. Yeah. You know, now with hips, you know, they're up and moving within days yeah like and go home sometime the next day like just go home Mm -hmm. see ya and especially like the thing that amazes me now is knees like they'll do a total knee and they're walking the next day right and they're they're going home the next day Mm -hmm. that's unreal yeah i mean i still think the the replacement technology i don't know if we'll keep going down that road because it looks like regenerative stuff is coming like with a fire we'll be able to really be able to rebuild cartilage and uh, with injections and stuff like that with stem cells and some of the PRP stuff like within I think within a five or ten year period they're already doing it the problem is they don't know the protocols Mm -hmm. so they don't know who's a good candidate and they don't know after injection what is the protocol afterwards should you move how much should you move should you load should you be non-weight bearing how Mm -hmm. long should you be non-weight bearing like like what's that tissue ready for yeah they have to figure that stuff out and so and it's so hard because every human is completely individual so creating a protocol is super difficult and mm-hmm. then some people are going to always be outliers you know it's like a bell curve so um we'll see we'll see if this prediction is right now it's in the podcast world right. so <laughs> but i think in five or ten years we'll be mostly have injections without some sort of serious trauma that's so you interesting I mean? so you know that's such a better way to go i think yeah. so right everyone's going minimally invasive right mm-hmm. like acls used to be we had to open people up like where you have this huge scar like a knee replacement and now it's done basically it's all just orthoscopic yeah. right exactly so it looks like everything is moving to kind of minimally invasive and um we'll see yeah you know technology is pretty awesome that's super interesting yeah yeah it's all because we're gonna live also a very very long time too you think oh yeah (laughs) i think we're gonna be a minimum like our generation we're Mm -hmm. gonna be able to live until 120 if we want to the problem will be can we actually have a quality of life right like that's what we just don't know yet like you can keep somebody alive almost indefinitely Mm -hmm. um it's just you know what's their quality of life is the problem we'll be able to you know, what's my joints look like at 120? Like, right. uh, not looking good for me. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I have to really take care of myself. So that's why it's so important. Um, uh, 
to take care of your strength. Because what's the right. number one thing? Totally went on a tangent. It happens. <laughs> but the number one thing why people lose quality of life later down the road? Strength loss. Mm, they're just not moving. strong. They stop moving. And they can't get up off the chair because they're not strong enough. They can't walk from point A to point B. And it's this slow kind of pro- progression. Right. Which we thought, you know, with this term uh, sarcopenia, we thought it was a natural progression. We thought there's nothing you could do in order to stop muscle mass loss into your 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. But now... Their research is pretty definitive that you can cut, bring it to a halt at a minimum, if not actually gain strength. Right. Imagine somebody who's getting stronger in their sixties <laughs> and seventies. Like, yeah, that's really cool. People don't think that's possible. So, that's the kind of new research that's really, yeah. really coming out lately. And that's, I mean, CrossFit super... doing a lot of that now mm-hmm. too, right? Their their videos with, uh, oh, you know, on the couch the and, and... Jugs and... <laughs> the It's like, yeah, you can get stronger. You know yeah, what I mean? Definitely. So, um, I don't yeah. know how we got on that tangent, but it happened. I, and the thing that I'm super oh, yeah. excited for yeah. is, um, like, especially because all in all, Cross is pretty young, right? And the whole, um, you know, high intensity interval training kind of field is pretty young at, yeah. relative to as far it. as coming to the forefront, being right. like, this is a thing, everybody should be doing this. Right. Yep. So I'm super interested to see, like, um, you know, if we have a, a athlete that's, you know, in their 40s that are just starting CrossFit, maybe they didn't do it beforehand, but maybe they're, they're just starting now. And you know, seeing them in in thirty years, what do they look like? So are we going to see that? Yeah, like you said, like are we going to see people lasting longer, getting stronger through their through seventy or eighty? Yeah. And then expanding that into you know expanding that old age timeline into 110, 120. Right, right. Because yeah. I still think that's that may not be what we're all training for. You know what I mean? Right. Like we yeah. kind of talked like it's really fun to compete, and I want to be the right. strongest, and like you know that's really really fun. But we should be doing it underneath the lens of okay, how do I want to feel? Right. If I do live to 120, can I still feel good? I'm not going to like wreck my body as a result of competing, right? Mm-hmm. So there's like that kind of happy medium there. But no, I think I think you're right, man. I think that's where... Um, it's interesting, right? Because every generation has a thing. So like the people who are, you know, uh, older now, you know, like the baby boomers, like just don't... Like they don't exercise regularly, right? And mm-hmm. So like they also didn't exercise regularly. Jogging wasn't a thing. Jogging started in the 80s. People didn't exercise. Right. Really. You know what I mean? So besides for a sport. So now you're coming with a generation of people who've, you know, I was injured my senior year of high school. So basically ever since then, I've just been training to train. Right. So like, what does that look like? Is I actually going to be healthier? Maybe I won't. Maybe I did wear my joints down. I'm I'm perfectly open to the fact that like, we just don't know. Right. right. Like human body responds to things in weird ways sometimes. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting to think about what the next 20, 30 years is going to be look like. Right. Strength conditioning. We might look back in this and be like, oh my God, we were doing everything wrong. More than likely, <laughs> that's the case. Right. But, you know, best case scenario, we come out and say, wow, that was, you know, we've increased our longevity overall. Yep. Or, you know, we're healthier people because of it. Worst case, we get our joints replaced. Yeah. Which is... Or we go get a stem cell injection and just right. regrow a cartilage. Yeah. Which is where we would have been if we hadn't done it in the first yeah. place. Yeah. At, you know, very least we made some good friends. We understood what it was to work hard and, yeah. you know, live a strenuous lifestyle. Cardiovascular. I mean, there's still one, like, universal law, and I still think that the body adapts to stress in a positive way. Mm-hmm. Right? Unless you reach some sort of tipping point. But 99.9% of the time. So, like, you stress the body, it gets stronger. Yeah. And, like, that won't change. That doesn't change, you know... 20 years ago, 50, like forever, like being strong, you know, we have a PT who's, who's a uh, very outspoken, his name's Adam Meekins and he says this thing, you can't go wrong getting strong. And it's mm-hmm. just true. Like, yeah, 
like strength is I'm trying to think of a situation that's a bad thing. But very rarely being a strong human isn't yeah. necessarily a bad thing. Right. You know, so it's only gonna make you more quotation marks functional. Right. You know, yeah. so functional fitness. Harder to kill. Yeah. Oh man. Oh gosh. Yeah. No, that's uh now you're getting the cool stuff. Yeah. We'll go down that tangent just yet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know how much you uh would like to talk about it, but like, you know, obviously you're doing a lot more stuff over at Pale Horse right now. Mm-hmm. Um and creating some cool partnerships and things are kind of happening there like you know do you want to kind of give us like some cool stuff oh. that you're doing there is that okay yeah yeah, yeah. Okay, so cool. um the biggest thing that i've been working on right now is the the club with the citadel yeah um and like i said before we're in our second week of that right now so um working with, with some cadets and getting them over there getting them off campus um showing them how to move well the, the good thing is that they're already they're already pretty fit yeah. But not of them know not a lot of them know how to move well. Yeah. Or understand, you know, how to do a back squat or getting stronger in that, you know. They're all really good at pull ups. Yeah. But they're not very good at squatting. Yeah. You know? They run, they probably do push ups, right? And they mm-hmm. do pull ups and that's that's fine. Mm-hmm. But uh, we see it in soccer athletes all the time. It's like just simple things like can you touch your toes? Can you just get into the bottom of squat without bringing your heels up? Just basic things. And they're typically, because they're specialized typically, right. they don't know how to do that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Um, so, yeah, just getting them in and uh, trying to get them to move better and increasing their overall fitness and uh, especially like their the army just revamped their PT test. Um, I like, did hear like what how did they get revamped? There's like a deadlift in there. There's now, a deadlift. Right? It's great. It's awesome. So they're doing. Let's just repeat that in the <laughs> army. Yep. Their their PT test, which is right. They and correct me if I'm wrong. If they in order to uh, be admitted or in order to like. Pass, or yeah, pass be, yeah. their tests in order to continue you have to typically like run do push-ups and sit-ups yep, right that was and now, the standard right and certain many you know run a certain amount of mile do this many push-ups in a minute do this many sit-ups i'm going to butcher it in a minute or whatever but now mm-hmm. there's an actual how do they test that tell me more about that i've, I've so, only glanced on it yeah it's super interesting um so one of the tests is trap bar deadlift i think it's a, a five rep max and the like the max number is like 345 or 350 and the minimum is for guys i think it's like 225 and girls it's like 185 for a five rep um they lift 225 five times yeah that's with the, with the awesome. trap bar yep how so. many people listening to this can't do that i just want to say if you can't run right now and go find somebody to help you deadlift on a regular basis <laughs> and that I, that numbers might be totally off yeah it might be 185 yeah. but either <laughs> way yeah either way they have to deadlift which is yeah. it's such a functional movement and um yeah just picking something up off the ground right that's all it is everybody. would you rather be able to do a deadlift or do 60 push-ups in a minute you know it's it's a good trade-off yeah and then another one is a med ball toss for distance so power output, yeah, which is great. Um, one of them is they still have to do the run, yeah. And then the last one is a, oh, it's like a dummy drag. So they have to, it's like a thirty yard, fifty foot, something like that. Thirty yard sprint. So you sprint down, grab a dummy, drag it back, bear crawl back down, and like shuffle lateral, shuffle lateral run back, grab the dummy, put it on their back, and then run it back again. Wow. And then they have to do that in like a minute and a half or something yeah. like that. So, you know, that high intensity. Yeah. And there's, there's, there's a little more specific, too, for like yeah. what you'll be doing for mm-hmm. your sport, right? Like, mm-hmm. there'd be like, you know, me, uh, you know, training um, to do something for soccer and learning how to shoot baskets, like in basketball, like it doesn't make sense. Like, right. push-ups I get can be 
fairly functional, but probably carrying a human from one place to the other right. makes a little more sense. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, interesting. So, yeah, so the fact that you know the cadets are able to, you know, they know that that's coming up, and then they come in to the gym and see that we're doing those things already, and uh, so helping them on that path, getting them ready for what they're going to do. I think the other service uh, branches are going to go in that direction as well. Mm-hmm. They're seeing that you know these. It's great to do all these pull-ups and push-ups and you know sit-ups and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, body but, weight stuff, calisthenics. Right, that's yeah. always necessary, no matter what. But you know, this might also be applicable to use as well. Mm-hmm. So I think we're going to see that a lot more in all the all the service branches too. Yeah, yeah. And I think they shied away from it um, because they thought, well, maybe not. But this is purely a theory. But like they thought those probably those movements were inherently bad for you. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I would I would assume right mm-hmm. like. Oh man, you're gonna hurt yourself. But you know, uh, I won't go too much into research and data. But like, there's absolutely nothing that shows you that a deadlift is bad for you. Right. There's actually some data that show that that sit-ups are actually bad for you, which mm-hmm. is interesting, right? So it's <laughs> like, you know, okay, and which one is inherently safe? And I, I'm just so you know, I'm what you call a movement optimist. Mm-hmm. So I don't think there's any movement that is inherently bad for you. Like, we're humans who move in all these weird ways. Why would we not? move in every possible way you can right. there's just people people or bodies that are unprepared for certain movements mm-hmm. right like yeah of course if you've never done lift before you're not going to go pull 225 pounds you're probably going to go pull 30 40 pounds to right. start and slowly progress your way up or you know pick any movement you can prepare yourself for it like it's crazy with some movements that you can see you know and those people aren't special they just trained it right you know yeah so well, that's interesting like some that. of those gymnasts and you know circus play people yeah Incredible what the body can do. Right. But yeah, you search the internet for ridiculous movements. Guy, this guy <laughs> called uh, Beard, the best you can be, and he does some like sissy squats. He does like you know you like you turn your ankles out, and that's usually mm-hmm. how you sprain your ankle. Mm-hmm. So he'll be his ankles will be out, turned out in that position, and he'll do broad jumps that way. Really. Single leg hops, landing on his ankle. Okay. And like, he's totally fine because he's trained that way for years. Right. You know what I mean, I've paired his tissue for that. So he's ready for any. He's not gonna, probably not going to sprain his ankle. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? So, no, it's cool to see how training, strength and conditioning world, athletes for sure, and now obviously we'll call it government agencies, are understanding that you need to train. It's like specificity. You need to train for what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's a certain level of general physical preparedness, but then also you need to be training for the specific movements that you're going to be doing in life or you're going to be doing that sport or you're right. going to be doing as your occupation. So. We're getting smarter. We're yeah. training smarter. <laughs> We're finally sense. learning a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. It's slow, man. You know, yeah. and uh, um, you know, they say in medical research, it's really funny. Things will change. And this is like a proof of that. It's not me just like guessing. Mm-hmm. Things will change research-wise. It takes about ten years for that to come into practice. Really? Right. So, like, wow. we'll take spinal fusions for an example, mm-hmm. right? And again, I'm not a researcher. If this is totally false, feel free to call me out. Um, It's like spinal fusions really don't have any long-term benefit anymore. Mm -hmm. And so in 10 years, we won't be doing it anymore. But it takes that long for that research to come into practice. Yeah, It's also very, very similar for like, um, for some meniscus tears, like coming in and actually shaving some pieces out or changing in some situations that's actually of no benefit. We shouldn't be doing that. We should just be doing conservative care. Right, right, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. yeah, you know, I don't know the situations are. I'm not a big like delve into research, but that stuff is coming out, and in ten years, we'll kind of those things will start to be changing. Right. Interesting. So, huh. Yeah. So ten years—that's so long. It is a long. It's, it's a, a, right. So for ten years, we're going to be doing, you know, what I mean, something that we know yeah. is bad, but it just takes that long to 
I'll say bad. I hate that word bad, yeah. but like is not ideal maybe. Mm-hmm. And it takes ten years to kind of figure that stuff out. We wouldn't be doing it if it's bad. It's gone through. You know, it typically doesn't have a lot of detrimental effects. It's just not ideal for that right. person in that situation. Mm-hmm. You know, or long term, it's really no different than doing nothing. Is typically what they find. Yeah. Right. So like you can kind of get somebody and they have this certain symptoms and these people are pretty much the same symptoms. And these people do nothing. They just go back to living their life or walking or doing PT. These people have you know some sort of surgery and in ten years I look at them we're like. Oh crap! You know what I mean? <laughs> they're, not, they're not finishing ahead. Right, it's just the same. So it's like, well, why are we doing this surgery? Right, costs all this money and all this, you know, resources. So I don't know. You can go down that rabbit hole like crazy, and there's people yeah. that specifically specialize in that. I try to give people a thirty thousand foot view, and all I real we really want people to do is just like take a second look at it and dig a little bit deeper. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean, and um, maybe choose the the movement. You know. <laughs> movement stuff first before right. anything else maybe give it a shot yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. I just think it's super cool they're actually getting some cadets over there right and you said you yeah. had a pretty big turnout that kind of first class so it's just yeah. like you know um, giving those kids an opportunity to move and, and learn how to movement quality I think is super important yeah yeah it's it's been it's been a lot of fun so far I'm excited to go back today and work with them some more um, you know and they're all it's it's honestly so easy to coach them because they're already very used to get like getting orders. Oh, right. So it's it's so much fun because you know I can give them a cue and they'll get it right away. So it's like it's like instant feedback yeah. for me, and then you know I get to manage a big group, which is fun. Yeah. But it doesn't feel like a big group. So it's been a lot of fun so far getting those guys over there. Um, very cool. Yeah. So hopefully, hopefully we can you know give them a little bit of stuff that they can go you know once they graduate and they move on whether they're. You know, going to be civilians after that, or going, you know, overseas, wherever they're going to be doing, they can take some of that with them, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, so super excited about that. That's awesome. So um, I guess just believe it or not, like we're already into almost an hour here. So great. Um, <laughs> no yeah, I swear. No um, so uh, maybe just give us um, a couple things you guys got coming up, mm-hmm. kind of at the gym, and then. How do people kind of, you know, if they're interested in doing some training or they want to come check out a class, how do they get in touch with you and kind of some of the stuff that you're doing? Yeah, so um, the big thing we've got going on, well, this week, this Thursday, we have, I don't know if you'll get this out by Thursday, but we have the Holy City Showcase for the Open. Oh, right, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. This Thursday. No, um, it will not be out by this. Yeah. I'm recording this. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> Way early. But yeah, no. Um, what would be the date of that? Uh, that what's today? This, tomorrow's the 9th. would be the 10th. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, yep. So we have this Holy City Showcase, but then we have um, every week Friday we're doing the open workout. Yep. So um, that each Friday is going to be kind of an event, having people come in and do the open lanes yep. and have fun with it. Yeah. Um, and then got a couple of big um, events that uh, we're working on. Me and another coach are um, trying to plan a fundraiser for um, soldier suicide. So we're and we. You know, we're in the very beginning stages of the development on it, but we're hoping to get it done by um, November. But we're doing, after the Open's done, 24 workouts in 24 hours of hero workouts. And people can come in and sign up and do, you know, one workout for, or, you know, come in at 2 a.m. and do a workout and 3 a.m. do a workout or something like that. But mm-hmm. um, we have a we have a lot of veterans and active duty at our gym. So, and one of the guys started this, um, this charity for soldier suicide obviously a huge issue and um so we're gonna do something this this november so we're still rolling out the details of that and getting that stuff lined up um so that's kind of the big things on the docket for now cool um otherwise just trying to you know build the community and you know be a fun place to be ultimately how do they uh 
find out more about you or so, the gym or whatever. Yeah, so my they want to reach out. Um, I have a website, bowerbuilt.com, uh, Bowerbuilt Instagram, and then the gym has Pillars Cross to Instagram. And I'm, we'll always answer and on Facebook as well. So message um, or put in on the website, you can always you know, ask about stuff on there. So cool. um, super reachable. We try to be really quick on that. So you'll be talking with a person on that for sure. Nice, nice. Um, man, thanks. This was fun. This was a great time. Yeah. An awesome we, time. we went on some really good tangents today. <laughs> I was really, really I proud wish we had a more time. Yeah, no, we can always do a round two, man, um, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Got some more stuff to delve into. All right, man. Thanks a lot. Appreciate absolutely. it. Absolutely. Thank you. What's up, everybody? Eve here. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Healthy Charleston Podcast. If you did, we would love for you to leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. And please leave us any comments. We're always looking to improve or recommend a guest. Yes, we take recommendations. Also, if you want to learn a little bit more about us and our health and human performance clinic, or we do physical therapy and performance training, please go check out madetomovept.com. Again, that's made, the number two, movept.com. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon.